Hello, and welcome to French Tech News with Chris O'Brien and Ethan Pierce, an audio and video podcast series highlighting important stories in English in the world of France's startups, its entrepreneurs, investors, and ecosystem leaders. Our objective is to continue to open this incredible ecosystem up to the Anglophone startup and investment community worldwide. And speaking of the podcast and all of our past discussions and interviews, head on over to your preferred podcast platform and search for French Tech News and give that a subscribe, as well as the video podcast on YouTube. I would like to welcome our guest today, Barbara Belvisi, founder and CEO of Interstellar Labs, as well as my co-host in this French Tech News journey, Chris O'Brien. Welcome, everyone. Hello. Hi, Ethan. Hi, Chris. So great to have you here. We've been looking forward to this one for a while. Uh, you're obviously one of my favorite people in the French tech ecosystem, and everybody loves you. And it's so great to see Interstellar doing so well, and this is so cool to see. So I can't wait for our discussion together to, to learn more about where you're at, well, what you're building, um, where things are going, and, and all the good news around Interstellar. So maybe just to kind of to dive in, before we get into that discussion, uh, I think some context maybe on where you've come from to bring you to Interstellar. For those that don't know you or, or things that you've done, or maybe they knew you through Hardware Club. Maybe just kind of give us a, a brief biography, a little bit of history to kind of walk us through the pre-Interstellar Labs kind of journey before, including Harvard Club, since, whatever that you feel like is relevant here. But I think it's great to kind of fill in um, you know, the journey that brings us to Interstellar. Of course, sure. Um, so I'm super happy to be with you today with you guys uh, as first. Um, and uh, so about that Interstellar journey. So prior to start Interstellar, I actually, uh, I was an investor. Um, and so my previous company, I started a fund called Hardware Club, where we were focusing in hardware startup, hardware entrepreneur, and how we can help them by providing them with financing and also support when it comes to manufacturing devices and, and you know, turning an, an ID into a real product. So I did that from 2013 to 2017. Uh, when, when I left and I started thinking about, you know, how we can build all the type of hardware that can solve problems that we have on earth. Um, and, and, and I, I, and actually before hardware club, my entire career, I was an investor. Uh, so I moved from, you know, a private equity to venture capital, also work on the, on stock, stock markets. Um, and, uh, and, and so supposedly none of my study were, you know, a path to, to become a founder and but, uh, but actually it's, um, it's, this company is really is, is a combination of you know what I'm what I'm passionate about, but also um, it's it's kind of a child dream. When I was younger, like many of us, I was a super nerdy, and I was dreaming of becoming a multiplanetary species and living on other planets, and how we can create you know structure on Earth to protect all the animals. And now I'm I'm basically just you know doing it. <laughs> so so yeah, that's that's the background. <laughs> Well, uh, you know, I think I met you, I can't remember if it was the first time we spoke when you guys were just officially launching Hardware Club, which now feels like about 100 years ago. Uh, but, um, you know, it, it was, it, it, you know, it was a great concept. It was a great take on sort of combining, uh, you know, community and hardware and investing and, and building sort of global networks around that. Um, but, but to your point with Interstellar, I remember we also talked a little bit about why you decided to move on, like what you were feeling specifically. I mean, you just mentioned, you know, again, the dream of, uh, you know, multi-planet species, but, 
something kind of happened, I think, you know, a few years into that where you felt like you wanted to make a change. So can you talk a little bit about that? Like what, what you felt was going on both with you and in the world that, that really pushed you in this direction? Yes. Um, I think, you know, at Hardware Club, most of the company I was working with, we, so we, we were turning these, you know, dreams into real products. Uh, but at a certain point, most of the thing we were we were working on were gadgets, and and they were not bringing any solution towards the, the the main problems that we we are facing and we will face on Earth, especially regarding climate change and food production and and pollution, water treatment, waste management, all of that. And so, and, and you know, I, I spent and actually, I think Ethan, you were you were with me in China many many times. You were also very involved in the in the IoT and hardware community, but. But um, one of our uh, our investor was was Foxconn at the time, um, and I and I was spending a lot of time in Shenzhen, and and there was a misalignment after two years about what I was looking to do to provide solution for this planet and what we were fin financing, and so that's one of the reason when I left Hardware Club and I started looking into you know technology and system that we can use on Earth to solve most of the main problem that we have here, and including food production, including water treatment, waste management. So it all started with how can we build a holistic approach to solve some of the problems we have here, um, um, you know, and, and, and so it didn't start with space. Space came just after. <laughs> I think one of my, you know, one of the fascinating things about space tech going on right now is it's a, a lot of it I, I see parallels with a lot of like the medical space and biotech and stuff where it used to cost an absolute fortune to work in this space and now some because so much of it is computational so much of it is 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 running models or or things where you are um, using a lot more of, of just computing resources or ai or machine learning or whatever it's become much more uh, affordable for people to be solving problems in space or in other things that are without having to spend hundreds of millions of dollars of capital into that. And then also what's interesting is, is this an awful lot of space tech uh, right now is actually solving terrestrial problems, but then leveraging those solutions for space, or maybe looking at it the other way, Im imagining what we need to do stuff in space, whatever that might be, live, breathe, eat, not get irradiated, you know, all the different things that, that would, you know, travel fast, you know, all the different things that we would need. But then how do we take those solutions and apply and use that technology now as a way to basically find a way to make the funding worthwhile in a shorter term? So that if, if people want to back companies like yours with however much money it will take to build what you need to build in the short term, those solutions, you know, material science, biotech, agriculture, all kinds of amazing things where it is a space tech play, but the reality is that stuff can be done now. So, and that seems to me to be a big part of the DNA of what you're wanting to build at Interstellar. Exactly, and and it's all and and it started like this. I was I was focusing on you know food production system, deployable system, where we can recreate completely enclosed environment and live in a sustainable way on Earth. And it was exactly at the time where SpaceX, you know, has proven the reusability of the rocket. So I realized that okay, we're gonna go to the moon, we're gonna go to Mars, and then I look at then I thought about the system that we will need to live on this planet, the life support system. So everything that you just said about you know air, food, water, and how everything 
everything everything needs to be in space completely closed loop and i was and and then i make this connection between you know what we need over there and, and what is needed right now on earth and some of the main problem for space tech is actually the terrestrial applications uh, because it can take years to develop your technology and your system uh, before you can generate any revenue and so the main not struggle because because the uh, I had the intuition, you know, very early on in the company. That's why I started it. But, uh, uh, but, the, but the key is really to find the terrestrial application that is right now. Because otherwise, if you just, you know, if, if our focus was only to develop greenhouses to live on the moon and on Mars, well, the market's not there. <laughs> there is nobody on the moon right now. There is no one on Mars. And it's going to take, you know, a few years. And, and especially with the current, you know, um, global situation right now uh, to get there. But so meanwhile... There is like a tremendous application on Earth, and especially when it comes to you know plant growth, and and so the, the what was key for Interstellar was to figure out the market on Earth and to prove that we can get customers that are interested in in, in control environments, um, um, you know greenhouses. And and which is which is a, a ver vertical farming this is a huge market. So 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 yeah. So just a bit more concretely. Tell us about what is that market on Earth? What is, uh, you know, I remember you kind of pitched a vision. I think I want to say the first time I heard you talk about it was at Slush, maybe two and a half years ago, when you kind of officially unveiled the concept. Um, is that still pretty much the concept? And, and how does it look today in terms of how you concretely see the services that Interstellar can provide? Sure. Uh, so, in, so in 2019, I when we did the unveil, um, so what I presented at the time was this concept of a station where we will combine different modules, so different pods, different structure, all together to recreate a sustainable um, a sustainable city, future, envision a sustainable station, a sustainable city by combining these different parts. So that's why we presented, that's what I presented in, in 2019. Um, um, then we were focusing on one specific pod. So, okay, we want to build a combination of pod. Let's build one first before going after the entire village. So we focused on the most complicated one, which is the, which is the plant pod. Um, and so the biological pod with now its name Biopod. So that, that's how the name came out, um, and so we've been focusing on the on the one where we grow plants because because it's a bit more complicated than the habitat section, um, uh, the the atmospheric, the humidity, uh, the temperature, all the atmospheric and climatic condition that we needed to recreate inside for plants to thrive was a bit more hard. And so we've been focusing on this one. And as soon as we started focusing on this one and making iteration on the design, one day I presented it at a conference, you know, as okay, we made advancements since 2019, we're in 2020. And this is the, this is the, 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 the plan growth part. And as soon as I presented it, actually, there was a, a, a lot of reaction from my network. They were like, Oh, can we buy the pod? I actually want to grow, you know, this type of flower. I need to grow, grow vitivel because we're in shortage. And I was like, wow, okay, there is a lot of application right now on earth for people to grow locally complicated plants and we're providing them a solution. So that's why when the company basically made a business pivot and we switched from building station with combination of module to actually, we, we, we'll keep on building station, but the first step is gonna be building domes for plant culture and selling those domes. So then, 
when we look at that, what are the challenges? Uh, you mentioned that that you tackled the the most complicated one first, and you've got so obviously there's the biopod, but then you have the other um, pods as well that would go into a full uh, environment of of this closed loop, uh, sustainable living environment, whether it's on Mars, on the Moon, in space, or in the desert, wherever that might happen to be. But that this closed loop idea, and so what are the challenges in making? this kind of a project reality? Uh, are they scientific? Are they technological? Are they financial? Are they just people needing to be inspired? Like, what are the, you know, do, do people get into this really quickly? Do you kind of get some eye rolls of like, what? Or like, I'm I'm curious as to, you know, what it takes to kind of break through the barriers to build something like this that is so future-minded. Um, 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 I think right now we 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 figured out a way of presenting what the company is doing, so it's it's very clear uh, for a lot of people. So the the way I'm presenting what we do uh, uh, currently is that uh, our mission, our you know our job is to build structure, so deployable structure that can survive any type of environment where inside we control all the climatic and environmental condition, and then life can thrive. And so when I say that, it means that basically, so we develop structure for Earth, for low Earth orbit, for the Moon, for Mars, and so it's very clear that okay, interstellar is like developing the system where life can grow inside. Um, and and so, and and that's made the you know what the the vision of the company and what we're building much more clear as an investor perspective and also for our customers. Um, and then we talk about the application. So the terrestrial application, um, and and you know comparing ourselves to greenhouses and container container farms um, made the you know much easier for guests to get financing and to get customers um, uh, very clearly. Um, and then the you know the difficulty when you're talking about terrestrial application and then space application is also how do you you know get contract with space application to developing greenhouses and system and, and plant growth unit for space. And so, and to manage that, it took us some time, but, but uh, we built the relationship with NASA, we built the relationship with the French Space Agency. We now have contract with both. Um, so it's so, so you gain credibility in building this controlled environment for space application, while at the same time you build, you build a market on Earth. So I think the first years were, were, were it was really about, you know, starting with a vision and, and how you iterate on the business model, on the on the wording, on your presentation, so you, so it's getting clearer for the investors in the market. And, and I think we 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 got it now. Well, and speaking of investors, um, you actually have some news this week. Uh, you you announced fundraising, and you I, you've actually hit some manufacturing milestones. Can you talk a little bit about? Well, first the fundraising. Uh, I think you had raised a little bit of money before, but it sounds like it's kind of your first official seed round. It is exactly so. Um, so the company was um, uh, the first year. Um, I self-funded the company. Then I onboarded a couple of business angels who already uh, backed me in my previous uh, company in Hardware Club. Um, and this time for this round, we're onboarding institutional. So we have venture capitalists from, you know, from the US, from Germany, from UK. Uh, so it's it's a really uh, very very you know a great group of of, of, uh, of investors. We're super happy to have them on board. Um, and and the company, you know, we just so we announced a five million 
haven't seen funding. Uh, the team right now is 20. We have our facility next to Paris and we started the assembly of the, of the first bio, biopod. So we, I think in a year, we <laughs> made a lot of progress moving from, you know, designing and simulation. We did a lot of simulation using Dassault, uh, Dassault software, but now we are, we're actually manufacturing it. And, and so it's a, so it's an important milestone. I think the biggest milestone is going to be at the, you know, just before the summer when we unveil the, the, the biopod for real. And it looks like you're actually back and forth between the U.S. and France quite a bit. You mentioned under, you know, have contracts with NASA. You have contracts with space agencies in, in Europe. So maybe a little more detail about building this company both in the U.S. and in Europe, dealing with both of these agencies. And and also, I think, maybe an underlying story there, because you mentioned the seed round funding, but you can also build companies by having clients, a novel concept, um, uh, sometimes in the world of startups. And it sounds like, you know, this, this contract idea is is maybe one of the smart ways in, in, you know, SpaceX, I think, leveraged this quite a bit of being able to get contracts from NASA and things like that to where it, they were able to self-fund, you know, growth by actually doing the thing that they said they were going to do. And so is that is that what's in play here with these partnerships? And is that, you know, what does that look like going back, you know, managing both sides of, of this from the U.S. and European perspectives? Sure. Uh, then, so most of the team actually right now is uh, is in France uh, because everyone is getting super excited about the assembly of the of the first biopod. So uh, even the Americans they keep on swinging back and forth. <laughs> and but it was already the case during COVID actually to be to be fully transparent. But uh, uh, so most most of us we are here uh, and and it's a very very exciting uh, exciting time. Um, during the COVID it was very hard uh, to do back and forth. Um, so I did go most uh, the, uh, the team here. Uh, still, we hired uh, uh, people from uh, um, and and we had uh, two two new hire coming from uh, coming from SpaceX, and and we're gonna grow uh, a bit more there. Uh, I think I'm lucky. So I've. So in our board, we have um, uh, Greg Rotary, who was the former representative of NASA at the White House. So it really helped building up the relationship with United States and NASA, and um, and uh, and so that was a. Um, you know, and and I mean, communication works well. Zoom call worked well, uh, and 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 when you are still at the phase of you know preliminary design, um, it's still okay uh, to be working remotely and for me to travel from time to time. Uh, but to be fully transparent, uh, starting you know mid this year, um, we will grow the team in United States and in France as well because we're moving into building building things. So we're building the biopod here, but also we're building the prototype for NASA for the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, so we will need a team over there. So I'm, I'm going to be divided in two, <laughs> but, but, uh, but yeah, it's, um, um, it's cool. And, and managing the relationship with, with the two agencies. So they, they, so at the beginning, it was easier for me to get in touch with NASA, uh, cause I had good contacts in California and, and, and great people actually, but, you know, introducing me to engineers at NASA. I was lucky enough to almost spend a year, you know, doing back and forth and 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 being at NASA Ames and with the Space Portal team, uh, who was very supportive of my initiative, uh, and and they were helping me getting the knowledge. So the relationship was with NASA was very strong from the very early age of the company, and it was much harder for me to get in touch with the European Space Agency or even the French Space Agency. Uh, but after a certain time. 
when when it started becoming you know more obvious that Interstellar had a relationship with NASA when we won a challenge for a food production system for deep space uh, from from a NASA competition um, then then you know the, the relationship with the with the CNES the French space agency and ESA accelerated um, and, uh, and and after going through the space founders program which is an acceleration program in in Europe for space company uh, we were able to you know to strengthen our relationship with the European ecosystem. Um, and, and, and it works perfectly. We have two entities and, and, you know, and when it comes to biology and science and space and plant growth, there is a lot of collaboration between, between NASA, ESA and the French Space Agency. Yeah, it was interesting. You know, this is ancient history now, but when I first moved to Europe like eight years ago, the first event I attended was the Pioneers Conference in, in Austria like 2014 and I was there to host a discussion with the, an interview with the head of NASA Ames and I'm not going to remember his name I think he's since retired um, but a lot of it was how they were very focused on working with startups you know and really kind of opening up the space agency to that kind of thinking and that kind of dynamic and again this was seven years ago so it sounds like in Europe they're they're and in France are catching up to that a little bit in terms of connecting with people like you or people with, you know, satellite projects or whatever. Um, but is that your sense that it's, it's a little bit later, but it's finally happening here? Yes, it's, it's exactly what's happening. It's a, um, and it's true that that NASA understood, and I think it's from the experience that they had with SpaceX at the time. Uh, they understood very quickly that there, there will be, you know, an opportunity in the startup world to um, to other technology transfer because there is a huge range of NASA which is about you know technology transfer from NASA that's developing technology and finding application and then build this partnership with a lot of startups so they could so they can use NASA developed technology but also NASA and I and I think and I really think it's SpaceX that the experience of like seeing an entire industry being transformed by an entrepreneur um, so so for them it was something you know very natural to get in touch with a startup, even though the company was super young and I was, you know, just by myself, <laughs> my resume and some good contacts. And, uh, and now Europe is definitely catching up. Um, and, the, and, and, you know, and, 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 and honestly, over the past six months, uh, we had so many interaction with the French space agency. I'm, I'm spending a lot of time with the, um, um, uh, with them and, and, uh, and with the CEO of the French space agency and, and, uh, and they really learn from from what has, what's happening in America, and they also don't want to miss the train. There are so many, you know, space company being funded in France. Like we have a, a tremendous amount of you know very talented aerospace engineers and entrepreneur. Uh, I think the figure is every once okay every week there is one space startup that is funded in France. And, and this figure comes from uh, uh, Philippe Baptiste, uh, the, um, the, who's managing the, the French space agency. And so it's huge. It's huge. There is a huge potential and, and they need to tap into it. I think people are blocked by the idea of space tech as one either being super, super expensive and inaccessible or only useful for space. And I think once people start to realize that you could actually make a, a lot of money selling biopods to people who need biopods somewhere on Earth, once that clicks, then then people who have maybe primary mission being space, but then realize that they can support something else here or flip that around, 
and then I, I guess, uh, Chris, I, I don't want to cut you off, but I just, we'll come back to uh, the last point I'd like to talk about is just to, to tie that into this, everything around sustainability and climate change. Cause I think that in some ways it's the same discussion. So, but Chris, you wanted to talk about Toulouse. No, no, I was just making the comment, you know, having been a, being a Toulouse partisan myself, I know there's a nice little mini space ecosystem sprouting up around uh, Airbus and the IoT community. So it's, uh, I've seen glimpses of what you're talking about, and I think it's exciting to see that here. Yeah, it's happening in Toulouse, and, and I know Chris just spent a lot of time there, but I'm, and now, uh, and, uh, and yeah, there's a big, big, big community of startup, uh, of, of startup in space there. Uh, we're also growing the community here in, uh, in, uh, in Ivry. We have another space startup next to us. <laughs> there is an aerospace school next door. Uh, Yuri Gagarin was here in 2063, actually. <laughs> so it's, uh, so, so yeah, but it's, it's funny, but, uh, yeah. Well, I, I look forward to, you know, uh, one of the fun things about dealing with the French tech so much in this subject and, and getting all these inbound requests from people to understand what's going on in France is this always this surprise, like, what is it with France and tech? Why are you, why is that s just incredible right now here? Uh, so I can't wait for it to be French space tech as being like the cool kids and everybody being like, what's going on with France and space? Because it sounds like there's a lot of momentum towards that idea. But I also think just, you know, maybe last point to wrap that in, if you have thoughts on just yeah, the sustain the sustainability side of this. That the yes, uh, the the hashtag is space tech, but the reality is Earth uh, probably needs an awful lot of these solutions now, and not just whenever we did, you know are able to get into whatever spaceship is taking us to the moon or to Mars or whatever that might happen to be, but that we actually need so many of of these more efficient or whatever the reason that that this can be useful because it's potentially, you know, because of climates where things can no longer grow correctly or because uh, we need to be able to grow things where climates are, are already not hospitable, but we're having less and less hospitable climates or or maybe it's uh, whatever those things kind of might be. But I, um, I'm just curious what your thoughts are about the parallels between the sustainability side of where green tech and stuff is at and space tech. Yeah, the, the, I mean, if you if you... Um, if you think about it, when you build a system for space application, it has to be super resilient. Um, it has to be very light uh, because, uh, you know, it's very expensive to, to send that to uh, to ship system into space. So resilient, light, um, uh, durability. Uh, it has to, to it need to last a very, very long time. Uh, autonomy, because you want to limit the human intervention as much as possible. Um, and reusability. Reusability is key for space because you don't want to use too many resources. It's hard to get resources over there. And so you better reuse and optimize them, um, the, you know, the, the resource that you have. Um, so if you, and then if you take that and you think about sustainability on Earth, it's exactly the same thing. You need systems that are super resilient, that's going to last a very long time, that don't need too much human intervention. And then, and, and you know, and that, and that you can reuse the resources instead of like piling up the waste. Um, and so, so using the space design approach and concept and applying that back on Earth, um, is, is there is a very you know, it, it's very sustainability in space tech that are very very tight. And actually, at NASA Ames, um, uh, they've been the first one to develop an entire building twenty years ago. It's actually a lead platinum building, one of the first one where they're just using space stack to purify the water, to uh, to to develop energy. So they're using fuel cell um, to optimize all the HVAC, so all the air conditioning this system, 
um, and and it's and it's and it's really amazing. And and so uh, so there is this really really strong link between the two. When it comes to us and to what we're developing, we're focusing on control environment agriculture, and 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 basically all the companies that you've seen right now on this planet building indoor farms that are using solution that originally were developed by NASA to grow plants in space. Like the concept of artificial lightning and LED to grow plants was only developed to try to, you know, grow a system up there in the International Space Station. And now it's, you know, it's a multi billion dollar markets and, and everyone using this technology and approach to grow food here. And so we are we are another level. We are offering different things compared to what our competitors are offering. But the, the principle of you know um, regenerative approach, optimizing resource optimi optimizing resource use, um, um, uh, uh, control controlling how much resources you're using, it's it's you know it's all taken from there and applied here and here one of our biggest problems is food production. Um, so, yeah, it's a it's a good example of how space technology can help us on Earth right now. I don't know the exact number, but in the 60s and 70s, the space race was responsible for reducing the size of electronics by several, several, several factors and the transition from vacuum tubes to transistors and just the miniaturization because you couldn't have these big things you know, if we were going to get to the moon and do other things. And it looks like you're leading the way as well then in taking space tech and applying it to all these sustainable solutions that we need, have need for now. Bravo. I think that's really a brilliant project. What a fantastic thing to be building and, and creating for our future. And thank you so much for this amazing project and congratulations on everything that you've built so far. Chris, uh, did you have anything else? One last thing, um, you were mentioning, you know, the U.S. a little bit. Uh, you're you're partnered with NASA Ames, but it sounds like you're going to be building uh, in Kennedy and Florida. Um, yes. So I'm just I just be curious. You know, we we've uh, talked to the French tech folks down in the Miami area a few months back. But uh, are are you connected at all with the French tech folks in the U.S.? Are they, are you using them at all for resources or their community? Or is that sort of off to the side of what you're doing? Uh, I'd love to talk with them. We're, we're, we're actually not connected, uh, not in Florida. Um, I have good contacts in New York uh, on, the, on the French tech uh, uh, side. Um, and uh, but not in fairy dove, so, so <laughs> let's uh, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> yeah, there's a French tech Miami that we're aware of, so uh, you know, they're, they're down there too. Cool. <laughs> We will get you connected. And and also in terms of being connected, if, if people are more interested in what you're building and following along uh, your process, do check out the website and your socials and all that good stuff for all the updates on what you're building at Interstellar. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Barbara, for taking time. Uh, I know you've been very busy and, and I appreciate you you've being able to take time to be with us today to talk about everything you're building. Thank you so much, Ethan. Thank you, Chris. Yep. Thank you to our listeners for joining us for this episode of the French Tech News. Want more news and stories from France's incredible innovation ecosystem and its entrepreneurs? Subscribe to the French Tech News with Chris and Ethan on your preferred podcast platform and switch on notifications to be informed of new episodes as soon as they are released. You can connect with Chris and me on Twitter and LinkedIn. I'm at Ethan Pierce, that's E-T-H-A-N-P-I-E-R-S-E, and Chris O'Brien is at O-B-R-I-E-N. Let us know if there are guests that you would like to see on the interview podcast, as well as any stories that we should take a look at. As always, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.